So welcome everyone to the next Catrifuda podcast. Today with our guest iChase. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm iChase, uh, World Warships community contributor for too many years. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, general guide maker, uh, mechanics dude, you know, Q&A kind of guy. So, yeah. Hey, so our first topic for the day will be the dev blog that just came out like half an hour ago. And, uh, yeah, well, there are just some new ships that are coming to World of Warships. First off, the Gibraltar. Yeah, so, so this is this is the only one we have any kind of preliminary stats for. Basically, very similar to the Goliath in that it's Goliath's guns, but it's AP only and it has a smoke. Yeah, it's also got only uh, three turrets, so probably not going to be as long of a ship as Goliath, which might be nice. Um, although yeah, it's really no dimensions. Be good. Yeah, because Goliath's not the world's, you know, most agile ship either. So that would be nice to have. Um, AP only, which is kind of an interesting decision. And medium to close range. Uh, judging by the model, uh, if you look at the model, you should notice that, like, right at the waterline, there is that T-shaped sort of, I don't know, inverse T-shaped citadel, which is very similar to the way that Goliath has it. And that's a very... uh Explodey citadel. <laughs> Let's use that <laughs> phrase. Yeah. Has a tendency of inadvertently exploding. So yeah, we 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 know this gets well. It's listed the consumables it gets. It'll have DCP repair party hydro and the smoke generator with three charges. But the question that this doesn't answer is: Is it going to be the uh, improved repair party, or if it, is it just going to be a standard repair party? So. That will make a big difference how much citadel damage you can actually heal. When you're I mean, that must also change in testing, right? Yes. I mean, yeah, these are all very preliminary numbers. Yeah, also, and yeah, the final version is God knows what that ship will look like. Also, yeah, they say it's most effective at medium to short range combat, but you know, the surface detectability is not that great. What did you say before? Like around 12 kilometers? 11.5. Yeah, 11.5. 11. Yep. That's a little worse than the Goliath. Firing in smoke, 9.5. So you have a smoke screen, but 9.5 smoke fire means, you know, you can't actually get close because your smoke isn't going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, and any destroyer that, you know, takes a fancy to you is going to be able to spot you while you're in smoke, so... Yeah, yeah you have to be a... very sure you're not going to get spotted, otherwise it's just a waste. Yeah, I mean, who yeah, knows? We'll see what what, yeah. that, what that's like. But it, I mean, on one on the one hand, it's nice to have another British premium cruiser, but it would be nice to have a ship that actually existed rather than, you know, the, like the Goliath is not a popular ship at data. You don't see it very often. It's pretty niche, and this doesn't even have Goliath's mini HE nukes. So, hmm, yeah, we'll see. So Napoli seems to have uh, brought about the tier ten <laughs> ships now. We'll see. Yeah, we, we have know. no idea how this is. Who knows be what the currency for this will be? But if it turns out to be something like coal and doubloons again, then oh boy, are we getting flooded with a lot more 
premium things at tier ten. You know, yeah. not sure how much. Not sure how much of a fan of that I am. <laughs> so the next one we have on the list is a tier nine American heavy cruiser, uh, which it says is based on the Oregon City class, but has a different artillery layout of. Only six eight-inch guns in three double turrets, but that maybe indicates that they are going to be very rapid-firing guns. Yeah, the only way I see this ship working is if they give it, like, basically Des Moines uh, rate of fire. So six guns, DM, ROF, Tier 9, that might work, right? Because it's like Des Moines light. It's kind yeah. of one of the wargaming things. Like, oh, let's go to tier nine and put a slightly weaker version of something, you know, in front of it. Kind of, you know, like think Congress and Alaska, right? Like Congress is really mm-hmm. Alaska tier down with less firepower, right? So I think they're kind of going with the same thing here. At least that's the feeling. Um, but no stats to talk about. So just got to wait, I guess. Yeah. We don't even know if it's going to have radar or what kind of consumables it will have, hit points. Anything, or if it so. has good anti air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anti air, the meme of World of Warships. Uh, speaking well, of anti air, it's also well, carrier announced. Yeah. We have uh, the only French uh, aircraft carrier that existed during World War II, the Béarn, I think it's pronounced, which was a conversion of a Normandy class battleship hull, because the Normandies otherwise were never finished. Now, the Normandy we have in-game is unrealistically fast, whereas the real-life Bjarn only had about 21, 22 knots of speed, so it'll be interesting to see if they keep it in line with the unrealistically buffed Normandy, or if it's just going to be a, a slow carrier at Tier 6. So we'll see. I know in real life it wasn't considered to be a very good carrier at all. million-dollar really... question is, what's the new gimmick? Yeah, we, we don't. What's really... the new gimmick? It's a French carrier now. That means there's got to be another gimmick, right? I mean, yeah. Who knows? Who knows what planes this will have? What kind of attack it'll have? You can't really tell from what's on deck. I mean, it looks like attack planes, and then further back, some kind of biplane and high wing monoplane. So somebody might be able to figure out by looking at what fighters, what aircraft it has, and maybe figure from I mean, real the, life the, what the f- kind of things the they have. The dev blog itself says, the ship concept and characteristics are currently under development and will be announced at a later date. So it sounds like not even Wargaming knows what gimmick it's going to have. They just Maybe, know that yeah. they desperately need another carrier. It might be like when we had the hybrids and we had hybrids with, you know, one one type had rocket planes and another had torque bombers. And we might end up getting different test versions of this with different loadouts. Well, maybe they'll just slap some more skip bombers on it, because that seems to be <laughs> Wargaming's thing at the moment. Yeah, on, I it, don't know. It's, it's, it's nice to see an actual historically existing ship being added, though. And the fact that it's being added as a premium means that the the tech tree is just going to be all blueprint or semi-fantasy or even full fantasy designs. Because yeah, in terms of, yeah. of carriers, I don't think the, the French did much again until, what, like the 70s, 80s? Yeah, much, much later on. Really until Clemenceau and Foch 
yeah. uh, which was much, much later. I mean, they had a couple of, uh, sort of like, uh, second world war era light carriers that they sort of used for a while. But in terms of their own sort of indigenous designs, yeah, nothing really until much later on. So, no, French CV line really just other CV lines, I guess, just kind of mashed in there. That would be kind of an odd choice. Um, it's mostly gameplay. I'm really, I'm really, you know, sort of thinking through what kind of gameplay these things will have because going by wargaming current thing, they're going to want something new, right? Like something mm-hmm. spicy for this particular line. Now, it is possible that what we will see is um, that the French line really is just something pre-existing and then the real line comes out later. So you think like they'll occasionally have like very normal ships, right? Like, um, you know, they'll test something on like, actually, mm-hmm. no, they might test something because like, if you think about it, like uh, um, Max Himmelman was the test for skip bombers. Mm-hmm. And where do those things show up? Oh, right. Soviet carriers. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's like, you know, that might be a thing. Maybe this is just going to have some new gameplay thing or something, you know, and then we'll test it. And then next thing you know, bam, whole new line, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's entirely possible. You, you look at the difference between the Graf Zeppelin and the the rest of the German carriers, for example. Uh, it, it, we, we can't necessarily look at this when it comes out and whatever it has and say, oh, yeah, the rest, the rest of the French carriers will definitely be like this. There's no guarantee. There might be something rather different. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it, since it's kind of a one-off ship, they could try some... I mean, they are obviously, like Wargaming tends to do, they're going to test this on the live server, then the gimmick, right, after they, they test it in testing, then it comes to the live server that surely gets tested. And then if they see it works, they can slap it on, I don't know, a alternative US line or something, and if it doesn't work, then it's just the old ship at J6 that they don't care about. Yeah, it's not, I mean, C6 premiums, you know, it's not something they're, they're going to charge the most money for, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, we'll see. The cynic in me wants to say that they're, 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 therefore won't put as much effort in coming up with something interesting as the high tiers, but maybe that's a bit too cynical. Well, I mean, if they're using it as testing ground for something else that they can sell for more, then they would put the effort in, right? Yeah. True. I mean, that about covers, I think, the, the death block. They could. I mean, yeah. this is pure speculation, but, you know, they did use, I think they did crew some US light carriers during the war as well. So you might see, like, a, an independence class at Tier 6 or something, but, you know, with the French gimmick. It'll also save them some modeling time. They already have independence modeled, right? So Yeah. I mean, there are so many U.S. carriers missing anyway that it's just a matter of time until we have, like, an alternative line of U.S. carriers, right? Yeah, correct, for sure. Well, we just need more airplanes in the game, right? That That's all we need. <laughs> oh, de- okay. definitely. Yeah, definitely need more airplanes in the game. <laughs> I, I, w- I would not be... Like, we're, we're at the very least going to get an Italian premium carrier as well. And they might even have scraped together enough information for... An Italian carrier line, so who knows? But after that, I, I can't see them. I mean, how, how would you add more carriers in like Pan Asian carriers? Maybe. Oh no, pure fantasy carriers. Nah, pure fantasy carriers. You know, <laughs> hey guys, we found this uh, one drawing on a napkin yeah. from 1931, and uh, here it is, full carrier line. You know, 
Because um, I don't know how many of you guys know, but Wargaming actually does have their own uh, sort of shipbuilding specialist. They have their they have a guy or a couple guys, who knows, uh, who sit there. And aside from purely sort of matching up historical type knowledge, they have uh, actual people who have like degrees in uh, you know naval architecture. And so, technically speaking, <laughs> give us enough of an opportunity, and yes, we could probably make entire lines out of nothing out of like thin air you know well we've already seen some uh, with the dutch cruisers for instance there's some heavily speculative elements and i think i can't remember where i read it from the forums or in a q a or something a while back whether they uh admitted that they've kind of shifted away from more of a uh a strict historical focus in terms of putting design elements on more speculative ships and going for things that just maybe look more aesthetically pleasing because there was i think there was things like the the tilted funnels on some of the 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 dutch ships don't really have any particular design lineage in terms of dutch naval architecture overall but clearly someone thought it looked cool so Oh, yes. The Squidward House. Yeah. Yeah, somehow we have a couple of ships, I think two of them in the Dutch line, that just literally have a Squidward's House sitting on top of them. It's like, wow. And then, of course, there's the the infamous Zeton. Oh, yeah. Which (laughs) they've taken. And, and the you know, it's been pinned down which of the the Battlecruiser designs this was. But... It, it really seems like someone was just like, you know, also, let's just stick Deutschland's class superstructure on it, the, the triangular superstructure. That will look cool. And so it just ends up looking like a monstrosity. Nothing like the actual battlecruiser superstructure designs, and instead, I don't even know what it's supposed to be. Some kind of fantasy what-if refit, I suppose. Well, I mean, then they also have designed the all of famous Petro Pavlovsk that's kind of like a submarine, right? Oh, yes. We had submarines before actual submarines, you know? The Russians got them first. Oh, I think that's that's it. Yeah, that's literally the only new thing we've had since last week, and it kind of like literally just popped up half an hour ago or like 50 minutes ago at this point but uh, yeah it's been a, a light week for news otherwise but we have like the famous by now probably dev q a free from wargaming on the community discord so i've like uh hope it was they wrote here in this file here and i'll show it on screen but you can also see it like in in the discord if you want to and oh boy it's a, it's a real treasure trove of uh of facepalm yeah, there were some, uh, there, there was a couple of answers in there that made you kind of cringe. Um, some of it is okay, but there is a, there yeah. is a real couple of things that they mentioned in there that was just like, really guys? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always interesting hearing how Wargaming puts things and sometimes it does make you wonder, like, is, is this is just a poor translation or? <laughs> But um, I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely some things in there that maybe scratch my head a bit. But there was also some interesting stuff as well. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the first question basically was, uh, why is work and legendary upgrades been halted? And what about rebalancing existing ones? So on. And basically, Wargaming's answer is something like they, they said they are working on it with a certain frequency, which to me sounds like just you don't work on it all the time, but only sometimes, probably mm. when like they have nothing else to do. So it's, it's a fancy way of saying we, we are not really working on it. We are just sometimes taking a look at it. Yeah. We but, can kind of read, read that and, and see that. Yeah. They don't have anyone dedicated. Whose, well, whose job is even sort of like part time to do that. It, it does seem like they just have it, you know, oh, right, you know, six months time. That's when we're scheduled to look at this again and come up with new things or rebalance things. Well, remember Wargaming's uh, ultimate answer to everything that they don't work on regularly as well is, quote unquote, priorities. And so it's like anything that isn't being done is just not a priority. <laughs> and um, those things tend to go for a while, you know, the, their priorities that they don't want to address, right? You look at, um, for example, just think about it, right? Uh, what was the last time we were talking about the uh, U.S. destroyer model upgrade? Yeah, that, that was a couple of years mm -hmm. ago. I think if I remember correctly, never happened, you know? And they were saying, oh, it'll be done at the end of like 2020. 20 or something like that. Uh, they had a yeah. date and then nothing. It just vanished into thin air, right? Um, you know, we asked for stuff that we think might be helpful, like a working replay system. Oh, that's, that never happened. And that's <laughs> been how many years now? Six, six years? It's been a long time. We've asked them for that. One other thing. Another, another good recent example was Little White Mouse in the, uh, the Dev uh, Questions channel asking, uh, when, when, when are we going to see anything about the, uh, late war West Virginia that was sort of pretty much promised at the time? That's been two years plus now, something like that. Just things disappear, you know? Um, yeah. that's, uh, that seems to be a thing. Like, I, I don't know. It just feels like you look at a lot of things that's been going on right now. If there's a very aggressive push to, like monetize as much of the high tier money making stuff as humanly possible and anything that's like quality of life upgrades or, you know, sort of new things that might keep people interested. We don't have that. I mean, just think about it. When was the last time we got a new map? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that was a while ago. I actually can't remember when the last time we got a new map was and I've been in this game for a while. So it's like, Hmm. You know, because those are really low priorities, right? That's their that's their take. It's just really low priorities. Um, they're they're just not very focused on, I guess, things that will make their game better. It's more aggressive monetization right now, right? And so anything like legendary upgrades, which in their minds will only benefit a few people who have the tier ten who needs the legendary upgrade. Ah, okay, well, whatever. We'll just toss that aside, right? So th th that's this kind of non-answer that they give, right? And you kind of see this in a lot of the ways they go through this mm -hmm. Q&A. There's a lot of these non-answers, like, you know, they give you, like, something that make you kind of believe that they're telling the truth, and then there's nothing, you know? I mean, the, the, the point they make about with the newer Tier 10s, okay, you need sufficient time to gather enough data to, to decide, you know, how, how much and, and what ways you can make 
unique upgrades to that ship that that won't you know make it overpowered that that will make it more interesting to play in a certain direction but not necessarily overtune it but uh yeah it, se it seems like specifically since they they moved the unique upgrades to the research bureau they've just kind of forgotten about them really i mean probably not enough people like like buy them so they've decided maybe they just don't work on them anymore or such maybe. or maybe they've just run out of ideas what i find concerning is like they say they need more data like to work on it but i feel like a legendary upgrade is not something you design based on spreadsheet data, right? You need to, like, the idea of a legendary upgrade or originally was to be a side grade that kind of changes a bit the how the playstyle works, but doesn't make the ship really stronger, right? But you don't find that on a spreadsheet. You have to actually play the ship, figure out how a ship could be used well, differently or which playstyle yeah. would make more fun, right? The spreadsheet isn't going to tell you that. You should be able to have that concept from the playstyle of the ship itself, but as to exactly how strong or how weak you're going to make that in terms of the actual numbers, you do still need some data, I guess. So I, I partially agree with you there, but I, I do think they still need some data. So I think that part of the answer is kind of, yeah, but the whole thing does just, that whole answer does feel like that's just kind of, you know, we haven't forgotten, honest. But no actual commitment as to when they might look at it again or when we, we might see new unique upgrades. But, but you see, like, what I think is, for example, when I look at Italian battleships, I mean, what what I always miss, like, the, the Italian battleships would have potentially made great brawlers. Wargaming just decided to not really go down that route, but they could, for example, have legendary upgraded buff secondaries. Especially you'd need a penetration buff so that they are capable of doing damage. And then you could, like, give them, like, some... I don't know, reduce the range or whatever, whatever you feel like he needs to be slapped on as a debuff, balance it out. Or like, I mean, that, that, that starts balancing out. That's where you then need numbers, right? Where you need actual testing. But the concept is something, if you actually play Italian battleships, you take a look at that and you wouldn't it be like great if we could make those into broaders? And that's something that you could do with a legendary upgrade. I mean, it should have been done in the first place, if you ask me, but at least it could something that you don't have to play the ships a lot. Then you can come up with the idea and then you just have to balance the idea. Yeah, I will, uh, well, anyway, it would be nice to that do more with that, especially as it's supposed to be, you know, end-game content. And instead, the, the end-game content is, here, more Tier 10 premiums and... That makes perfect armory sense. Armory ships and, yeah. That makes perfect sense, right, if you think about it. I mean, if you were the guy in charge of development and you had to write the next quarterly report for the guy on top of you, uh, would you A, write a report where, hey, we grew revenue by X percent because we released X number of new things that people want? Or would you say, so we spent our time developing 10 different alternative playstyles for existing tier 10 ships, total revenue gained well, sorry, we actually lost money compared to last quarter. Kind of a hard sell to the guy <laughs> on top who would probably can you for that. So I think it kind of, you know, a lot of these things, you kind of look at it from a money perspective. I think you get kind of where a lot of the decisions are being made and why they're being made. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, they failed to monetize legendary upgrades, so now we don't get any more. <laughs> Well, 
Uh, the next question is one that have has been asked, I think, in the past and somewhat been addressed in the F-block earlier, I think. It's why, uh, with the potential addition from Azrient, uh, has the 12, uh, 12 format remained? And why yeah. didn't they add more ships like it? And this is That's one of the most frustrating answers they've given because they contradict themselves. It, it kind of is just repeating information they've given before as well. There's not really any kind of new reasoning here. I mean, the, the, see, the thing is, that's just so frustrating for me. The, the community's argument is, right, if there are, like, submarines in the game, there will be less ships to interact with because subs do sort of their own thing, and they don't, like, it's a difference if you face a submarine or a battleship, right? You can't just exchange that. So it's not really a 12 versus 12 anymore, because there will be subs. And Walking is like, the ship has been designed for 12 versus 12, so they kind of agree with our argument, but they don't acknowledge it because they pretend that the submarine is the same thing like a battleship, right? They say, like, it's still 12 ships, no matter what it is. And then in the next paragraph, they say, but, you know, we will limit the number of subs and destroyers together because we acknowledge that not every ship is the same. So for the first part of the argument, they pretend every ship is the exact same thing, and then they say, well, we acknowledge it's not what we just said. So we make a different change. Again, yeah. we already had submarines before. So this is the problem. <laughs> we have submarines. We've had submarines yeah. since the beginning of the game. They're called destroyers in this game because <laughs> they have the artificial, you know, concealment me mechanic, right? Like, and, and the whole point of the, the, um, if you think about way back in the day, right? Like Fujins mm -hmm. and Kamikazes and Minikazes back in the day, and those were basically submarines that, you know, like the always invisible torpedo you from nowhere kind of ships. So submarines, unfortunately, I think one of their major problems is that they don't really have their own kind of thing, you know? Because, like, what yeah. are they in the game? They're a stealth torpedo platform. Well, we've had that since forever. So you have this problem now where you've implemented a new class, which is really purely to just get submarine players. Like, and it's such an obvious thing. They're just trying to grab whatever is out there that's remaining, right? Like, the, the hardcore sub people. They're just trying to grab that player base. And then that's it, right? That's that's your last major player base that you can grow to is the class that mm -hmm. you didn't have before. But like the ships themselves, I mean, if you played them and tested them, they're basically destroyers, except they have like sort of underwater 3D movement. It's like, what makes them stand out? Nothing, you know, like that's the problem. And they they play that way too. When you play them, they're kind of a bland class, you know, like mm -hmm. the first mm -hmm. two games, it's actually kind of exciting because it's like, oh, everything's new. By game 10, it's just like, can I, can I go commit seppuku now immediately? Because <laughs> this is absolutely boring me to death, right? Like, like submarines have this problem. They're, they're trying to basically be like alternative destroyers, but like, you know, destroyers are so much more capable of so many more things, right? Like, you think about what a destroyer is like, they can do so many additional things, and a submarine, it just cannot. So it's like, the, the playstyle is very bland, and it's very dry. Yeah, it's like you, you miss out on, like, if you're Shinakase, you do spotting, right? Because you're on the surface, and you can actually see ships. So it's not like you're just doing torpedo, and you're helping your team by spotting. You're helping your team by maybe taking caps. You're doing things while a destroyer does none of that. All of the team utility falls away, and you're just a stealth torpedo boat. And you're even like a slower stealth torpedo boat, so you have less opportunities to position yourself better. So it's just like, you know, uh, you're, you're half a destroyer that's uh, a bit more boring to play. 
Yeah, and they also don't have the hitting power. That's the other thing. Um, the submarines, I don't find having the, like, they don't really have the hitting power. You know, you think about, um, uh, like a DD. If a DD lands a good torpedo salvo and they hit, like, majority of their torpedoes at whatever tier, you're in a lot of pain. You kind of explode in a lot of other cases. And you can eat the full salvo from a submarine and still kind of just go, eh, you know, like, that was okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, wait, hold on a second. How does that make any sense, right? You have this one class that's only torpedoes. It really has nothing else going for it. But it's only good at this one thing, and yet this one thing isn't really all that scary. Right? I mean, I mean in fact, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> the pings are just actually kind of annoying. Oh, the, the torpedoes bend. That's kind of annoying, right? But it's yeah. like, I don't know. They just don't seem to add anything really for me besides make the games probably end up feeling more empty. Because imagine if you have a 12v12 and, like, let's say yeah. three people end up in a submarine. Then you're basically playing, like, a 9 versus 9 on the surface. It's kind of a boring game. Oh, yeah, and then you throw in one CV, so sorry. Um, 8 versus 8, because the CV never appears anywhere either. So 8 versus 8 in a, in a random battle, that does not feel very good, right? Where the submarines are just underwater doing their own little thing. Uh, not sold in that. And what that's so frustrating, because Wargaming's answer is the battles were designed for 12 versus 12, so we can't add more ships while you're fighting, uh, uh, like fighting your 8 versus 8 and cry. It would be nice if they'd even just tried it on the test server and made it like, you know, 14 versus 14, but the extra two slots to, you know, only, only subs can go in those kind of thing. Uh, what I was going to say is, you know, if, if, if they even made it something like sub uh, flooding caused, caused by sub torps was like old flooding where it was properly scary, you know, that, that could have been something at least that that would differentiate it from destroyers but it doesn't even have that going for it really so yeah i'm 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 definitely i mean we've talked about this in previous podcasts but i'm i'm definitely with you guys i i really don't see them having a a place in this i think the only draw for sub interested players off the back of what you were saying i chase is that this is a you know multiplayer game and Multiplayer games with with this era of subs in are kind of few and far between. There's plenty of single player sub sims yeah. and semi sims out there already, so that would be the only draw, really. I think Steel Ocean had subs when that came out, but they were really kind of finicky to play. And does anyone even play Steel Ocean? I don't uh, even know what it is. I, I, I tried the submarines. The, the submarines was like a lot more straightforward, though. None of the crazy weirdness that we have this one. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're, they're, like you know, because we're not we're not dealing with like you know nineteen seventies era, you know eighties era, you know uh, Mark forty eight ad caps or anything like yeah. that. You know, we're not dealing with that. We're doing just straight torpedo in a straight line, which required you to lead or anything like that. Here it's like. What is leading? <laughs> I can just make the torpedo start going into all these crazy bends. It's like, I'm not sure that's how things worked back then, you know? So it's not <laughs> one of those weird, like, what is the point of these weird systems that you're forcing in, you know? I don't know. Well, apparently they shut the servers down on Steel Ocean last year, so that's now officially dead. Oh, well. Oh, moving on. Oh, Steel Ocean for ages. <laughs> oh. Just gradually occurred to me. Oh, yeah, that had submarines. Anyway. 
Yeah, I guess the, the next question was, uh, in the last Q&A, most changes suggested by the community, including good players were dismissed outright for welcoming staff. Over weeks oh, yeah. after the sessions, balancing changes were implemented anyway. This begs the question, why there's such a communication gap between answering those Q&A and implementing a balance change? This is one of the most annoying answers they gave, in my opinion. Actually, they really started the answer with actually. <laughs> Yeah, actually, there is no communication gap. The, uh, they always consult with the balance team in order to share the most relevant information. And yeah, those changes obviously can happen for a variety of reasons. Uh, we weren't completely sure of the relevance and such didn't announce a comment on them earlier. That's but it, like if you say, no, you're wrong, that doesn't mean like that that's not saying that you are not sure of the relevance. You just basically claimed people were wrong and then did what they said. Yeah. It's like a pretty obvious communications gap to me. But it's not even... I mean, just the, the premise of the question, it, it's not even... Like, well, and, and this is just generally based on like even even interaction with the devs. It's, it's kind of rare to get an answer of we'll actually consider that yeah, it, it feels like, and not just with the community, also in, in the, the community contributor program, if you like provide feedback, right, and you can write out an essay, and you can make good points, and you can make long arguments, but usually the answers are oftentimes just, that's just your opinion, or you are wrong, yeah. or that doesn't well, no, uh, well, agree with our statistics. Right or, now, or, yeah. you, you don't actually, and, and it's like, in a sense, uh, I don't think Wargaming intends it to sound that way, but Wargaming sounds very condescending because they refuse to go into arguments and they refuse to justify the decisions and they just cannot feel like you are wrong, right? It's like, as we, as if everyone is in, beneath the notice. And the sad thing is, when you then make a snappy remark back, they're like, eh, 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 language? <laughs> hey, I mean, I'll give them this, at least it's a step up from the World of Tanks community. Back when I was a CC for that, when you just didn't get to speak to anybody ever at all. And all you had was the translated answers from the Russian forums to go on. I mean, this is this is honestly something that... Um, this is, I think, what a lot of the reasons why like a lot of CCs are incredibly, I guess, burned out or just kind mm -hmm. of frustrated with giving any kind of feedback. You, I, I mean, we can't talk about specifically who and what was said, but, you know, you guys have looked at the feedback sections enough in the yeah. CC Discord. It's like people don't want to do it anymore because this has been the sort of generic kind of answer we've gotten just more times than I think I can count, you know, and... It's also funny because you see a lot of the newer CCs that come in and they're all like, you know, <laughs> bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. They're all like, oh, I'm going to go change the game. You know, they come in and they're like, I'm going to go off some feedback. And then, you know, like within like two months, yeah, they're just as dead on the inside as the rest of us. You know? <laughs> We're just like, what is feedback? Um, the other thing, of course, is that um, one of the real problems with Wargaming is that they look at a completely different set of metrics than we do. Oh, and yeah. They're not very keen on ever talking to us about what kind of metrics they care about. Now, they tried it at the CC Summit in 2019. And they what they tried to do was they tried to do this whole like, oh, yeah, here's how carriers were balanced. And here's how the whole process we went through carrier balancing. 
And, uh, um, you know, eventually, you know, a lot of the sort of the skeletons in the closet for how they balance stuff started coming out, right? One of them was, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, so we have this um, combat efficiency graph, you know, that goes from here to here. And I went, hold on, hold on a minute. Wait, why is your combat efficiency graph just kind of cut off on the ends? It's like you, you're just showing me a middle section between like, you know, 15 and 85 percentile. Where's the top? you know, 15 percentile, it's just gone. You just delete that data. Like it's <laughs> irrelevant. Like, but those are the best players. How do you delete that data? Right. And they're like, Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah, we didn't, yeah, we're just presenting this data. This is, this is our data. This is how it works. And I'm like, well, you know, carriers are broken because the top 15 percentile are the people who make these things broken. Right. How can you just eliminate that data and pretend it's not there? It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. So that, and then of course, along with the other one, which is uh, the popularity of the class. Oh boy, that was a great one. Um, you know, they look at yeah. those kinds of things too. And it just, it's like the data that they look at and the data we see is just such different yeah. data. And it's like, I, I think this is one of the big reasons why none of these discussions ever happened the way that, you know, because they're looking at these other things and they're like, oh yeah, we want this decision, right? I mean, they put in a ship and they're like, okay, we have the ship in the game. And the entire reason for that purpose of that ship existing is we just wanted to drain X, Y, or Z resource. We don't care if the ship was balanced or imbalanced or whatever. We just wanted to drain X hundred millions of coal out of people's accounts because there's too many people with too much coal. We're never going to know that. We're never going to know that was the real reason for the ship. We're just going to look at it and be like, the hell's the point of this ship? It's broken or it's underpowered. Like, do something about it. But in their minds, it's like they've got a completely different objective, right? And we can't ask them what the real objective is because they, they won't give us an answer. It'll be a non-answer, right? And they don't, you know, like somebody asked them the other day for like, a, hey, could you like tell us about like roadmaps or whatever? Oh, no, 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 no. That's all internal stuff. We can't show you guys that. We can't talk about it. No. Yet. Yet. No. Right? And, and they'll do that to you. They'll just be like, they'll just shut you down. And then if you dare to say something, and this is the other thing, you dare to say something that isn't really uh, confirmed with them, if that's if that's how they say it. Oh boy, they come after you afterwards. They're like, ah, 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 can't say that. You should have asked us first. And you're like, how the fuck was I supposed to know that? <laughs> Sorry, much, but how how do you like? Are you serious? Like, how was I supposed to know that? I had to ask you about this question because every single time prior to that, you guys have given like non-answers, right? It's like, so what was I supposed to do? Check with you for every single thing? It's like it's so silly. It's really really silly. Yeah, and I mean, the, the Q&I kind of goes forward in that direction with uh, the, the question is, do you consider top player feedback more valuable than average player feedback? And do you at least consider this approach for 10 ships if intent to hold further competitive events with the 10 ships? And I mean, once again, they, they just say that they value player feedback from all sources and it doesn't actually matter to them. Like, And it was that this where they went into surveys like the, the, what it sounded like wasn't that answer. That basically that they, they, they send out this in-game service and so on. And that's something that they take a look at. But instead of going to actual feedback, like on Reddit or in the forums or from the contributors where it's like actually thought out, like written paragraphs and arguments, they just probably prefer it if, if they send out an auto server where you can click on, uh, is this a good thing rate from one to five or something, right? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it does note that there's uh, other games that do have kind of uh, 
feedback from top players or player councils or such things. And yeah, I don't, I don't see Leicester ever doing that. To be honest, just doesn't seem to be the way they operate. Unfortunately. I mean, I feel uh, like yeah. they used to a lot more in the past. It felt like three years ago, if you like gave feedback, it was like written or you could get like an answer to it or it was like, I felt like we, we had a lot more influence, like not just contributors, but the community as a whole. We like three, four years ago, they kind of cared. And I just stopped. I mean, it might be that. Maybe their their vision for the game has, or their vision for going forward has become a lot more codified since then. And they've maybe you know it's possible they do have this behind the scenes roadmap, and they're like, well, that's what we've got, and that's what we're going to stick to. And you know, play if the player feedback doesn't really tie into that direction, then shrug. <laughs> But like they say, like through the use of polls, we find out how much players like a certain fee a certain feature that we have introduced. Have they ever tried like asking people? I feel like a random poll that probably people only do because either they are extremely bored or because they are promised that they get like five free flags if they take the survey. But I click random things shouldn't be like your main source of feedback. Like I haven't seen like how much data they get and what what uh, tools they use to filter out like polls that people just click very quickly to like maybe get a reward at the end. But I wouldn't trust those polls too much. Like if like the forums, Reddit, uh, the streamers, like if everybody agrees on a certain thing, maybe take that a bit more serious than a poll. Or is it just me? I mean, if, if they do, yeah, if, if they do amongst the CCs or... I don't know, a certain player group like they do an annual kind of where do you think the game is at survey. Something, you know, more than <laughs> the, just the random things that pop up in port every so often. Actually, you want to hear something really funny? Um, this is just also another, uh, you know, Summit 2019 kind mm -hmm. of funny. So the one thing that made it into the game from Summit and and you'll, you you guys will laugh at this because it's actually kind of funny. Was they had us design a Paolo Emilio, right? The the original uh, Paolo Emilio design. They were like, okay, so we need mm -hmm. you guys to design this tier ten Italian destroyer. Now here's the things you cannot change, but here's the things that you have some freedom about. So at the time, uh, I was part of the sort of NA team, right? Sort of leading the NA team uh, through the whole sort of design process for the one hour that we had in one hour. Okay, not a lot mm -hmm. of hours, one hour. So I, I sort of looked at it and I said, okay, well, you know what? Uh, Paolo Emilio, right? It's Italian, right? We kind of want some historical stories to it, right? So how about we make it so it's sort of like an anti-French destroyer? So not really fully anti-French, sorry. Uh, it's because uh, Italy was sort of France's competitor. So it's like, um, mm -hmm. it sort of neutralizes the French destroyer advantage because Cleber at the time was pretty dominant, right? So we're like, okay, how do we do this? So we ran through the whole process and the end, ending design was, um, we gave it a you know fuel smoke that we have right now, mm -hmm. right? And we said, okay, so the role of this destroyer, because it is also you know large and not very concealed and everything, uh, but it does have this full uh, full speed uh, fuel smoke. Well, you know the role would be let's make it so that it can sort of hurt cruisers with its SAP shells, right? Because it had SAP. And so you know we talked about the ballistics and all that. Really funny part is what actually came out at the end of it. The 
working in balance guy was like super interested in smoke concept. He just really wanted to hear everything about the smoke concept. Like, what are you guys designing? How does it work? What is the mechanic? And so I kind of gave the whole explanation, mm-hmm. uh, the explanation of it. Next thing you know, that one smoke mechanic became the Italian gimmick. It was like, all right, we're just going to use it for every Italian line, right? <laughs> it was like, are you guys kidding me? You know, they took that one thing and they made it into like the entire tech trees gimmick. I was like, that's not what was going on, right? And then later on, so remember I had an idea which was like, hey, we should make this uh, anti-cruiser destroyer because we don't have a lot of those sort of ships where it's like, you know, the class that's supposed to be countered can kill the other class, right? And then lo and behold, what do we have now? German split line. What do they do? They kill cruisers. It's like, wait, 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 hold on a second. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> you know, but it was crazy because they took those types of ideas and they knew, okay, we could use this idea and actually make real, you know, money with it, right? And they just ran with it. They were like, oh, yeah, we're going to love this. But anything you give them that's a, hey, um, how about this idea to fix something? Oh, boy. (laughs) That enters what we call the idea black hole. It just disappears. You know, idea (laughs) goes in. You never see anything come out of it. It just disappears into, like, you know, the the hole. And it never comes out. Like, you talk about, like, carriers. I mean, we had carriers for, like, two years. And that was a horrible, horrible system initially. Mm -hmm. Took them how long? Like, two years to fix carriers? And, 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 and it's not everything that got fixed. They fixed one portion of it, which was rocket planes. And it's like, that was not the hardest fix, guys. You guys could have come up with that like two years ago. That wasn't rocket science. Did you guys really truly need to collect two years worth of data to implement a delay on the rocket planes that you could lead with? Hmm. Most likely what it was wasn't profitable. Right, because if you change carriers or whatever, yeah, not very profitable because it's beneficial to the community, but not very much money coming out of it. Much better to take ideas that can generate money because look, we can do early access for you know three lines. Um, <laughs> you know that that became a thing that was much more, you know, financially useful for them, I guess, and that seems to be a thing as well, right? Look at a lot of these feedback for changes. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't make a lot of money, you don't see it, right? Uh, I, I think someone in the chat earlier was saying something like uh, they were talking about the uh, campaigns and the operations and things like that. Mm-hmm. Wargaming has said those don't make us a lot of money. <laughs> they're on the, like, I mean, there's a back burner and then there's the, you know, whatever's behind <laughs> that. And all those things are like over there, you know, they're shelved away in some archive in a box, just co- kind of forgotten, you know, they're, they're, they're one of those things. And so, a lot of the things that we read today, you're, you're going to sort of see that come up really. It's a, like, you ask yourself the big question, is it profitable for world gaming? If the answer is not, then you can kind of see where they're going with the answer, right? Like, I think somebody asked like, oh, are you going to do something about Zhao? First of all, the answer was garbage about Zhao later on. But like, really, if they rebalance Zhao, what's the profitability? Nothing. Because tons of people already have Zhao. They can't do an early access with Zhao. They can't say, oh, here we're, you know, like, launching this new ship and you guys have can, can roll through 72 different boxes to try for that, you know, ship doesn't happen straight up just doesn't happen. Right. Because they can't make money from it. But if it's like a new line of ships, if something new and, and you sell them a new line, Oh boy, you know, that's, that's kaching, right? Like right there, mm-hmm. you look at the Yukon fiasco with little white mouse why yeah. did they react? Why did they even come out and do this whole thing? Yes, okay, Little White Mouse is valuable CC. We get that, right? We get it. But it was probably more likely because of the whole fiasco, their Yukon sales dipped. 
way below mm-hmm. what they were expecting. And it's like, oh, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's not good. We got to fix that now. We got to do something about it, right? Um, it was also like, if you remember Graf Zeppelin, the initial release of Graf Zeppelin, like, wow, the sales were just so in the gutter. And I, I, I know somebody who gave me mm-hmm. some of the internal data there at the time. Um, and he was like, yeah, um, we did not hit anywhere near what the sales target for this ship should be. And of course, you know, they were real fast at trying to fix everything there, right? They were real fast at trying to address the, the player complaints. So it's really very, very, very money focused. And if you can look at every question and ask yourself that question, can they make money from X, Y, or Z? And if the answer is no, the chances of that actually happening just almost non-existent, right? Um, especially within the last few years, it seems to have gotten mm-hmm. significantly worse in the last couple of years. It's like, it's almost like, you know, the people who kept writing those very rosy quarterly reports about how much revenue they had grown. Those were the people that kept getting promoted within the company. And of course, you know, you got to keep delivering results. Once you start to think about it from that perspective, it makes a lot more sense a lot of the decisions they make. Yeah, true. Yay, capitalism. <laughs> yeah, I also feel like, I mean, I think I said this in, in the past, like the, the, the last Gamescom was like about two years ago, right? And it still had a somewhat positive atmosphere, right? Uh, the contributors there as well. Like we weren't all like in this, this, it's, it's only two years ago, but we, we was, there was still hope, right? It feels like maybe with all like the in uh, with all this uh, insanity in, in the last year and so on, and with all meetings and things like that cancelled, I guess there was also a lot less direct contact with the player base, or it just moved further and further away. And maybe that also had an effect on them because wargaming seems to really like not connect with the players anymore, right? And it's it's just like run by by what what makes them money. Yeah, and and you have to understand wargaming, and and this is something that you know you have to look at the 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 people who are running uh, wargaming's sort of you know I guess the bean counters, the people who are really trying to the monetization people, they've got this down to like a science, and you can make whatever argument you want to make about you know fixing little things or campaigns or whatever. They don't see it that way. They really don't see it that way. They have an entirely different set of data that they can look at. And this is where big data comes in, right? This is why most corporations today have entire data analytics departments, right? They know what makes the money. They know where the money will come from. They know if they put out a new ship, then they will make X amount of money. Where if they put out a new game mode, you know, like nothing, right? And they're looking at it from a man hours perspective versus what's the end result, right? And they know, they know it all too well. And this is why you see this constant push for new everything and ever more aggressive monetization. They know people will pay money for it. They know people will wail for things. They, they, they're they fully aware what the results of a lot of things are. And this is the reason why the only time you see anything happen is when they projected X amount of sales and it doesn't hit. So, you know, and then that's as soon as that happens, you think like something like Yukon or whatever, you know, like as soon as that hits and, you know, the sales numbers are entirely amiss from what they, you know, mm-hmm. then action gets taken. Then it's like, okay, we got to do something and we got to do something now. We got to fix it immediately. 
prior to that, it just like you look at it, you know, anytime there was enough controversy or whatever, you know, it's just like as long as they made enough money and they looked at their thing, they were like, we are set with this, right? Even originally Puerto Rico, which was such an absolute mess from a PR mm-hmm. perspective, unfortunately, how many people wailed? Too many. Way too many people wailed into Puerto Rico. And when they wailed into Puerto Rico, the guy at St. Petersburg literally went, see, you know, (laughs) this is great. (laughs) We made money. You got to remember this, that uh, Malik, who was, I think, the guy at uh, Lesta, in the same year that uh, the whole mess happened Mm -hmm. with Puerto Rico, the guy literally won a business award in Russia in St. Petersburg, you know, pretty uh-huh. prestigious one for, you know, improving sales at his company, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so, so what's, the, you know, like you can see it, right? Like that's the goal. That's the objective, right? And that's all these people there really care about is, you know, they, they, they have the data. Yeah. They know who's going to whale. They know who's going to throw money at them with absolutely no regard. And that's all they care about. You know, they want the, you know, and this is why I said like their favorite players are the people who come in. Like the one guy who comes in and then like immediately whales the tier 10 ship that he doesn't know how to play, you know, or like immediately whales the, the high tier battleship, right? Um, it's fantastic because they basically sold the guy a triple A plus title game. And the guy hasn't even done anything yet. He hasn't even like actually used up much wargaming resources. He's just straight up, you know, given the money, right? And as long as they, there's enough people who are willing to do that to just fork over cash. And, and and also on top of that, a lot of unaware people who have no idea what's mm-hmm. going on in the game aside from what they play every day and are willing to whale away money, then this continues and this will keep going. You know, we might look at Sander crates with disdain. We might look at them and be like, oh, these rigged damn boxes. But there's a ton of people out there in the world who just don't give a damn. They open a hundred boxes and they see like, you know, 30 ships pop up in their brain. That's worth it even though it's all pixels and has absolutely no real life money value at all. But, oh, look, I got like 20 ships out of these 100 boxes or whatever. You know, like as soon as the things start popping out of the boxes, you know, most players don't care. They're like, oh, yeah, I got myself a fantastic deal, right? Who cares about the shortlist or the Makarov or whatever other thing that there was? You know, they're willing to give the money. And for Wargaming, those are the people they want. They don't want us. <laughs> they don't like us much, right? Because, you know, <laughs> sure, we do the promotion work, but we don't give Wargaming money anymore. You know, we're the guys who just do some of the promotion work, you know. They want the people who hand them hundreds of dollars with no questions asked. We have you know? this irritating notion of, you know, that things should be fair and that yeah, yeah, we're, we're irritating. predatory monetization. We yeah, yeah, concern ourselves with fun, and that's not part of the spreadsheet. <laughs> Which you know, uh, in uh, um, fact, then I was thinking about recently, right? Because they now have this new, like they have the CC program, which we are part of, right? And we get some free goodies and some codes to give away, right? But we are basically just independent creators who get stuff basically that we can show it off for Wargaming's PR, right? And now they have this other program. Uh, how how is it called? Where they pay people? Affiliate program. Affiliate, yeah, affiliate. affiliate program. It, it seems like like recently, right? They have pissed off a lot of contributors with their decisions, right? Because we feel like we are ignored, and what we're doing like doesn't matter anymore, and the game goes in directions we don't like, and becomes less fun, and so on. 
So it feels like Wargaming's answer to that is like, wait a moment, uh, people don't enjoy our game anymore, promote it for free. Uh, a solution, pay people to promote our game. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's like the most cynical interpretation of it. I think them wanting to break into new markets and advertise with people that, you know... Uh, I mean, they've paid viewership. channels, like big channels before, yeah, right, to, ad- before to advertise. Now they've just kind of streamlined the process and be yeah, like, you know what, we, we just roll out a program where... Program. If people wanna like uh, advertise for us, then they get money for it. I mean, nothing generally wrong with it. I've just looked at it a bit cynically because, well, I guess Wargaming made me a pretty big cynic in the last two years. <laughs> um, yeah, no real comments about the affiliate program. <laughs> I mean, you know, you see that, and, and, and it's just like even the way they approached it, right? Like the guy walks in in a dark room with a briefcase. He's like, you know, he's buying you off kind of feeling, you know? It's like, just that, like the whole like introduction to the affiliate program was kind of like, uh, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it, it seems to be like they're, they're realizing right now that the player base that they have right now is pretty much set. And there's not all that much more out there them to to pull into their game so now they're really looking at like okay you know can we do other type of channels that might not be you know world of worships mm-hmm. people but are willing to just do advertising and can we give them you know money for that right and so they're they're now taking it to that kind of route so now you're going to see probably like random channels i mean you could do like a freaking fashion channel now and decide to advertise world of worships and if that gels with your audience or whatever then hey you make money right um it's very interesting because if you actually look at what they uh put in the affiliate program uh they pay uh up to 12 dollars uh per cpa so it's like uh there's sort of some interesting metrics right so a lot of times when Mm -hmm. we're on like youtube or whatever um YouTube pays us based on something called uh, CPM, which is sort of like, okay, you get X amount of dollars for a thousand views. It's mostly an impressions based thing, right? If you get a thousand views, um, you get this much money. It's kind of an impression, like, you know, how many people saw this ad, right? Where Wargaming very specifically in this affiliate program is doing CPA, which is click per action, right? Oh, sorry, cost per action, sorry. Uh, which is how many people actually click in and actually do the action. So your views don't matter to that. It's just how many people click and engage into the the link and engage in the game. It's very specific, right? So you can kind of see what the objective is. It's who cares what channel you are as long as people on your channel Mm -hmm. are willing to click that link and come join the game, right? So now they're really sort of casting a very wide net trying to pick up whatever is sort of left out there, you know? And this is not like an ad. This is not like one of those like, this video is sponsored by World of Warships. No, no, no. This, this yeah. is not what it is anymore. This is specifically trying to get whatever fraction of a population is left out there, you know, and try to get them in, get them to click, get them to join the game, and ideally to milk them for however many dollars those few people are worth, <laughs> you know, um, because the game fundamentally, if you think about it, it's pretty it's pretty good playable wise, you know, when you first get in, you know, tier one, tier two, tier three, kind of playable, like, you know, it's not that bad, you know, things really kind of, you know, take a bit of a spike when you really run into like sort of tier five, you know, you run to the mm-hmm. first real players, the first real human players, and then 
oh boy, you know, like they suddenly feel like, oh my God, you know, you're the seal, you're getting clubbed and now you're trying to figure out why, but you don't really know. So you think, okay, it must be because they have an overpowered ship or whatever, right? So you start to, you know, think about money and, and spending, right? That's where a lot of it happens. I had a guy the other day, I was like, he's like, oh, I'm so good. I love this game. I'm like kicking, you know, everyone's butt. I'm like, okay, what tier are you playing? He's like, four. <laughs> you realize you're playing like half bot teams, right? And that you're killing a lot of bots. He's like, wait, what? They're bots? Like, yeah, they're bots. How do, how do I identify a bot? Uh, you know, the guys with the colon and the sort of famous ad. Those are bots? You know, there's that reaction, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you got to get up to tier five before you run to humans. He's like, dang. <laughs> you know, I've been misled <laughs> all the way through. I thought I was great at this game, right? Yeah. Him getting to tier five was a, a bit of a wake-up call there. <laughs> well, I mean, they specifically, I can't remember when this happened, but I can't remember if it was just generally or for co-op games only, but they they improved the bot AI to the point where a lot of players were actually struggling against it, so they just rolled it back to the current AI model where it's quite easy to steamroll them. <laughs> Which I, I think that probably ties into that. That probably had quite a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah also... Uh... Also, I think when you like create a new account first, there is like a cope battle selected. You'd have to actually find the button and switch it to random battles to play random battles. Uh, yeah, uh, also back, back to the, the Q and A. Well, I mean, kind of because like the next question was like, what metrics are used by walking and balancing ships? And I mean, we've touched on this a lot yeah. and they, they basically, they refuse to share the metrics, which as I chase has pointed out because it doesn't probably make a good PR move to saying, well, we made this ship overpowered because it makes us more money is probably not a good argument for the player base, but it also like the, they, they say like they take a lot of things into account, like absolute damage, relative damage, average number of ships destroyed, so on and so on. And then they are like something that I just also mentioned earlier, like uh, they mentioned the sound. And I mean, Kabarovs became very efficient after the limitations on damage from large calibers. And Sao is one of the leaders in terms of number of battles played. That's the argument for the Sao, right? For the Kabarovs that just try to say, well, it's become more effective recently, so I think it's fine. And the Sao, well, lots of people played, so it must be fine, right? Yeah, so they're looking at a popularity metric there, right? That's their like CV popularity metric. So they're they're that's yeah. what they're making the argument with is oh, it's uh, popular, so it's fine because it's okay in the popularity metric, right? So it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like what they're looking at and what we think is balance is so completely different, you know. Where yeah. in, in some games, like you think like a lot of like FPS games or whatever. There's usually some sort of consensus, like, okay, this is overpowered, and okay, you know, the developers look at that and go, yeah, that's probably a little bit too much, right? And then people sort of, you know, dial things back. You know, imagine if, just imagine if, like, Rainbow Six started balancing guns based on, oh, you know what? This is this incredibly popular gun. Let's just balance it based on that. I mean, people would lose their collective minds in a competitive community yeah. if you actually told them that's how you balance things, right? Uh, but, but, yeah. I, I've touched on this in, in, in previous podcasts as well, but it's like Gaijin's the other example where mm -hmm. they, they, the way they balance things, if, if things aren't specifically being played too much or too little in their eyes is economically. So you, you end up with 
um, certain vehicles that just get their income nerfed into the ground that, you know, you're always going to make a loss playing it or um, other things where, you know, they, they make it more profitable to play. It doesn't actually have anything to do with the vehicle balancing or stats yeah. or anything like that. So that's, that's definitely a fairly egregious way of doing it. So at least Wargaming doesn't do that, but still, yeah, the, 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 that really shouldn't be a kind of be-all end-all as... as is uh, well, lots of people playing it, so therefore it must be good. I mean, yeah. it can tell you something, but you know, it, it's not. You can't have that be your only reason for oh, yeah. not buffing a thing or not nerfing a thing. I mean, wargaming. They're also, and this is the thing that's also been brought up in the past, right? They're like, oh, no, no, we don't want to balance to the top percentage players. We don't mm. really want to balance for the best players. We kind of want to balance to the average. We want to balance to so everybody, right? And their whole point is that, oh, they don't want to make a ship where, like, the best players are amazing at it. And then, like, the average players are like, what the hell is this thing? How do I use it? Right? That's the whole argument that they make. I mean, whether you buy it or not, that's another story, but that's their argument, you know, and this is the thing, like, no matter how much of a population you have of expert level players who can give expert level feedback, they will always kind of go, oh, yeah, but you're the minority. And, you know, we have to consider the needs of the majority, which means they'll always go to, you know, their average data and try to balance for the average player, right? And mm -hmm. And that's their, that, that's just their, their, the way they operate. And that's the, what, that's how they look at every single ship, right? So it's like, yes, you can have clans, you know, uh, super chests who are like the best of the best, or you can, you know, go to like the Kings of the Seas tournament people and like those are really good players. But at the end of the day, if they give any feedback that is in sort of opposition to Wargaming's average player, you know, feedback mm -hmm. and needs, well, you know, <laughs> you minorities can go, you know, take a hike. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna cater to the majority, right? Like that's their thing. So, you know, I, I think this is why a lot of people say, like, you know, they'll ask questions and they'll be really frustrated and be like, how come you don't listen to the people who know what they're talking about, right? I mean, that's working. I mean, they're, they're like, no, we, we gotta listen to every Joe scrub out there, you know? Oh, the guy who just goes full broadside and is being gets straight deleted. Yeah, we gotta take his feedback too, even though he doesn't understand crap about the game, you know? Um, we got to we got to make mechanisms so this guy doesn't get deleted. It's like just think about that. Just imagine like you know somebody who has absolutely no idea what they're doing in game, and yet they have even greater of a voice in the balancing of the ship than you who knows what is going on because you are a minority and they're the majority. Like just imagine that. That's that's where a lot of the frustration I think comes from because it makes you want to flip tables because you go, are you serious? <laughs> That guy didn't know anything, but Wargaming does that, and they do that repeatedly, right? That's why you see a lot of the balancing being done the way it is, right? Um, you just think about Smolensk when that thing came out. Smolensk, we're like, what is this ship? Like, are you, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous. And Wargaming's response when we pointed out how insane that ship was, was, well, our statistics show that the average player is doing below average in that ship, and therefore the ship must be balanced. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like and I mean, they never like, they took into account the whole like psychological effect or the whole frustration effect. Just if you get spammed at 19 kilometers by shipping smoke that you can't see and can't do anything against it, it just basically sets guaranteed fires when it hits you. 
it's just a very frustrating thing to fight against. And even if you know what you're doing and you'd, you'd be like, okay, so the answer is I have to be at 20 kilometers of this thing and I can't go forward anymore. It makes the game more stale and things, but that's also not showing the statistic, right? If the game becomes exactly. more passive, you, you can't see it on a spreadsheet. It's exactly the same with, with tier four carriers as well. You know, the, the effect yeah. that has, especially on like newer players, <laughs> constantly getting double tier four carriers at the tier where nobody has any effective AA. Yeah. Tier four carriers. Ah, Wargaming's decision in that one. I will never understand. Doesn't matter. And, and here's the other thing. It's like, um, even if you think back in the day, right? They're like, suddenly out of nowhere, they're like, you know what, guys? I think the C- tier four CVs don't have enough power. We're going to give Hosho double torpedo. Do you play the game, guys? Like, do you actually play this game? Or are you guys just pulling stuff out of nowhere, right? That was one of the most insane changes they made back then. Of course, you know, for a while there, Hoshos were just the absolute dominant clubbing machines at Tier 4. And they finally realized, oh, that's a really bad idea. We can't do that. All right, guys, let's not do that anymore. Let's remove that. But here's Rhine. So you can do the exact same thing, just under a different flag. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) <laughs> Wargaming does a couple things that just make you kind of, I don't know, roll your eyes and just kind of laugh and, you know, sort of hopeless frustration <laughs> is the best way to describe Wargaming. <laughs> you know, I have a, f- a fun fact for you guys. So a, a few weeks ago, I was playing Magnesia now, and I was in a battle with uh, Tier 4 Carrier because there were on both sides there were failed division Tier 4 Carriers. It was also like it, it was a double carrier game. But the, the, the interesting thing is I have found out that Ignite now, once upon a time, pretty decent anti-airship, can't actually defend itself against the tier-4 carrier. If the tier-4 carrier comes in and drops you and comes in and drops you, and you shoot down planes, you're not sure, but if he like he keeps dropping you, right? Ignite now, you can't defend yourself against the tier-4 carrier. Tier-7 can't defend itself against the tier-4. Everything you need to know about this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Which actually brings us to the next question, which is about carriers. And it's like uh, they said, it's it's about the spotting mechanic. But I said they can't introduce a limitation because it will confuse players. And the first answer from Walking is, while we do acknowledge that sea spotting could be improved, we don't see it as a critical problem right now, especially considering recent changes to attack aircraft. I mean, that those are like two different things. Like, I mean, uh, uh, rocket planes doing a lot of damage that you can't avoid as a destroyer is... Also a problem, but it's a different problem from the spotting, I feel yeah. like, right? That's definitely the whole politician's thing of answer a different question than was asked. Oh, yeah. I actually, I, I, I gave some specific feedback about this, or I, well, it was sort of more posed in, in the Q&A channel, but there's not been any reply to it so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, spotting is the issue, but how do you fix that in a way that is, I guess, natural to the player base? That I think is Wargaming's problem. They don't really know, right? And, and you have to look at a lot of the things they did. They built the entire system so that it was simplistic, so they could get the popularity up, so they can do all these things, right? That was the entire intention of carriers. And a lot of the stuff they did mechanically or whatever was simplified. It was, it was meant to be excessively simple. It was meant to be easy, right? And the unfortunate side effect of going too much into the simple, easy route is that you come to a point where you need some nuance. You need some complexity. You need some things to make things work 
well and Wargaming doesn't have it. This has been one of their big problems since forever. Wargaming mm-hmm. loves binary mechanics. They love things that, you know, it's either this or that. Nothing in between. And there's like a lot of their design decisions have very little nuance, especially later on as they got, you know, as they went closer to CVs. Um, you know, for the pure sake of we want something simple, they, they, they were going with it, right? One of the other things that I actually said this like way back in the day, I think, uh, not sure if it was during a live stream or video. One of the major objectives from my perspective about the CV rework wasn't just, uh, popularity and whatnot. It was also, I thought they were trying to prepare it for consoles. And I was mm-hmm. like, this was something that looks like it's being prepared for console because the controls are simplistic, the things are easy, and you know, on a keyboard and mouse, we can do a lot more things. But this doesn't seem like it's really designed purely for the PC version. This seems to be one of those, let's just put minimum cost invested so we can get something that's universal to all of the other platforms, right? Except Blitz. Mm-hmm. Blitz is a sort of separate story. And lo and behold, what does World of Warships Legends CVs look like? Hmm. <laughs> You know, straight up copy, right? So you got to think about that, you know? Like the, I mean, the simplistic things kind of kills everything. Sorry, I sort of cut in there. But yeah, this, the simple, the overly simplistic mechanisms sort of, you know, really prevents them from fixing a lot of these issues, right? Like automated AA. I mean, ha ha ha. When has that <laughs> actually done anything, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it prevents you with the automated AA system. It prevents you from really being able to create a system where there's a little bit of counterplay that is possible, mm-hmm. right? Everybody just kind of goes, well, my AA is there. It does something. It's a spreadsheet. If it shoots down the plane, great. If it doesn't shoot down the plane, nothing I can do. Oh, actually, hold on a second. That CV player is an idiot. He just flew into my flak. Okay, cool. I killed some airplanes and down the squadron. That's the extent of the interaction. How can you fix anything if that's the extent of the interaction, right, between surface ships and CVs? You need something more. You need a little bit more counterplay to it. You need a little bit more, you know, things that surface ships can do. And speaking of, like, the, the changes that they're talking about, like, yeah, okay, I get it. The rocket changes helped. It, it made destroyers a little bit less vulnerable. And they can't just be blapped out of the, the, the water within the first two minutes of me spotting them with an Enterprise or whatever, you know. But it's like, okay, so I don't bomb the destroyers anymore, per se, with my rocket planes. But now all of your larger ships, which the destroyer depends upon for support, oh, well, you know what, I'll just go rocket them. Because, you know, that cruiser there who can heal... And it only has like mm-hmm. 35,000 HP. I'll just yeet him for 8k at the, at the beginning of the game. And the cruiser just goes, nope, I'm not part of this. I'm out of here. You know, turns away. And the poor destroyer is just like, Hey, where's my support guys? It's all gone. Right. Because that's what you do now. Right. So like they haven't really fixed a lot of things per se. I think they fixed some things, but like in the larger picture with CVs, no, there's a lot more issues and I, and I don't see them really fixing it any day really soon. Because if they do start fixing it, then remember that popularity metric that they love? Oh, yeah. I mean, that goes into the, the toilet and, oh boy, somebody's in trouble again, right? So they can't do it. They, they gotta keep it somewhat popular, give them some power to do things. And yeah, we're just gonna be stuck in this weird limbo for like, I think, I think we're gonna be stuck with this weird CV limbo until like the end of the game, which is like, you know, mm. you know, a couple years from now or 10 years from now, or a decade from now. I don't know. When we all become old men, we'd be like, ah, you youngsters, we were playing this game when it came out. <laughs> you know, like, it'll be that kind of scenario, you know? We remember the good old days. 
<laughs> you know, because I, I just don't see them fixing it. Like Wargaming, they're very stuck in their sort of developmental mindset. You know, this is the way, right? Um, and if you think about, for example, just like, you know, talking CVs, like you think about like, why do they need regenerating airplanes? Well, they need regenerating airplanes because you, the CV player, cannot, re- you know, negate losses. Mm-hmm. There's no way, like in the old days, you could, as an RTS CV, you can be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to fly into this range. I know this guy's going to pop DFAA. I'm just going to bait his DFAA out. You know, just, you know, bait it out so that he can't hurt me with his DFAA. And then when it runs out, I'm going to go back and hit him. And I'm going to lose a lot less planes. So I can control, relatively speaking, how many airplanes I'm going to lose. Today, well, not a lot of control there. You know, you fly in, the A amount is this much per second. You lose X number of planes. In that run, guaranteed. So, what's Wargaming solution? Well, let's just make it so that airplanes can regenerate. Wow! Look at the look at look at I the mean, design, right? It's. I mean, basically a plane heal kind of. I mean, planes also have a heal, right? Healing planes. I mean, the the, the thing is, uh, with with anti air, you can mitigate your plane loss by just not taking good anti airships, right? What Wargaming has basically thrown out was back in the day, you needed. I mean, yes, you could pay DFA, but you needed to know who has good anti air, and you just needed to avoid those, right? Uh, DFA mm-hmm, yes, or no, you wouldn't drop into a you know, you wouldn't drop into a booster, right? You'd be like, yeah, okay, this is a no fly zone, I just don't go there. And Wargaming doesn't want people to have to know that because they figured out that people don't want to learn, right? People just drop like a Cleveland and keep dropping a Cleveland. And if they lose the, all the planes and they can't damage the Cleveland, they quit plane carrier. So Wargaming said, okay, the solution is a Cleveland can't be able to defend itself against planes anymore because otherwise the carrier quits and the carrier doesn't learn to just attack like the destroyer that's defenseless over there or that lone battleship out there that doesn't have good anti-air. The carrier just wants to drop this Cleveland, so we make it that anti-air is just, you know, a joke. And that's why we can't have good anti-air, because if they make good anti-air, the carriers would need to learn who to drop, and they don't want to do that. They stop playing carriers. So Wargaming has decided, hey, uh, sorry, you guys, but you can't have anti-air anymore. I mean, yeah, there's there's very, like, compared to what it used to be, there's very, very few ships, specific ships, that you have to avoid now in terms of AA. And otherwise, it's mostly, well, that's a blob of AA. I won't go near that. And if it's a specific, you know, if it's like a... Like you say, a Cleveland or whatever on its own, or even a Des Moines. It's like, yeah, okay, I might lose a plane or two, but I can still probably get off two strikes. Maybe even more if I'm lucky, if the spreadsheet yeah. says yes. <laughs> I mean, never mind even in the old days, right? CV players, you had to really consider your resources, right? Because you can yeah. get deplaned. You could be deplaned within five to ten minutes if you didn't know what you're doing. So that was one of those things. You're like, oh, nuts. If I lose this many planes, my strike squadrons, that's it. You know, um, you have to be very, very careful. There was a lot of the dancing around back in the day. Like, uh, you know, when you play CVs back in the day, you spend a lot of time avoiding this, avoiding that, flying here, waiting for something, going there. You know, there was a lot of that interaction. You were spending a lot more time thinking about, oh, geez, you know, where is the target that I can perfectly hit at the perfect opportunity to do the maximum amount of damage while losing the minimum number of planes? Today, send squadron. Oh, squadron die. Send another squadron. Oh, that one died too. Send another one. <laughs> you know, hit that guy until he rage quits the game. You know, like that's, that's the way, right? It's like, there's <laughs> nothing to stop anybody from doing that to you anymore, right? And like, the CVs can just keep going until they, you know, I mean, they can be effectively deplaned to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. 
But then again, it's like as long as they've got like two or three airplanes, they can at least come over and be annoying, right? They can still try to bomb you. They can still try to even hit you with like one torpedo and force you to turn, right? Because that's the annoyance, right? That's that's the permanent annoyance, right? That's like death by a thousand cuts rather than just getting nuked. I'd rather just get nuked, you know? If the CV lined up a perfect strike and got everything right, I, I might as well just die and go back to port. Fine, I'll, I'll take that. If I if I messed up that hard and bring DFAA or, you know, didn't didn't stick with somebody with DFAA or whatever, you know, I messed up, I got nuked, whatever. Send me back to port, I'll play again, right? Now, now it's like, no, you die slowly. Death, ugh, cut you slowly. It's like, God dang it, right? <laughs> Well, I don't know if I agree with, you know, referring the old days, but I still, yeah, it's still not fantastic. And it's been said many times before, but the the, the lack of, of player interaction with plane squads now, it certainly does feel like a, a downgrade from how it was previously. Mostly because I think it's the achievement thing, right? Like in the old days when you killed airplanes, it was like, yes. I've depleted that CV's reserve. Yeah, it, it, meant, it meant more. It, it meant, meant more. Yeah. yeah. And even if I died, I can at least say, well, you know what? I wasted this much time. I cost him this many airplanes. Now his combat potential is going to be this much percentage points lower. Today, I shoot down 56 airplanes. I shrug my shoulders. I go, okay, so what? <laughs> He's got more. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's that kind of feeling. It's this kind of like, you know, back in the day, you shoot down 56 planes. You go, I've basically almost deployed that CV by myself, right? Like that CV's got very little left in reserve, unless he's playing like a tier 10 or something like that, you know? Like most cases, that's the feeling where today you can shoot down, like you can shoot down 70 airplanes and just feel like, oh, okay, cool. Those are pretty ribbons. They're, they're that nice purple color. Yeah. I, I got an A defense expert, which no longer matters either because <laughs> achievements, right? <laughs> It, it feels like shooting down planes is like the consolation prize because you get some experience for it while you get found by the carrier. It's like, okay, so you shot down 50 planes. That probably means the carrier took at least half of your health in that game, maybe entirely destroyed you. But hey, at least you got a bit of experience out of it. That's what anti-air for is these days, right? While you get found by the carrier, you get the experience for it. Definitely, yeah, it, does, it can definitely feel like a bit like a consolation prize. Maybe you uh, call it participation prize. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Every, we're in the new era, guys. You know, everybody needs a participation award, right? So might as well just give them something. You know, can't have them be at zero EXP as a, you know. Yeah. Every player, when they play the game, you know, they got to get something. So give them something. But honestly, going back to that, that spotting thing, right? The ones that Wargaming has repeated often, like that they're just the minimap spotting that it wouldn't work and would confuse players. And it's like, once again, Wargaming has, like, not really answered the question because the question included, like, mechanics like this already in the game. Why wouldn't it work on, on a carrier, right? That's literally, like, how a cyclone works. Cyclones have been in the game for years. Wargaming has never addressed this issue that, like, cyclone spotting works the same way. The game never explains to you how a cyclone works. People are just thrown in there and somehow Wargaming thinks it I mean, I personally, I like cyclones. I'm one of the few, I guess, but... Cyclones are probably very confusing for new players. Wargaming doesn't explain it to them, but they just have the mechanic there, and somehow they are okay with it. But if they apply the same mechanic to carriers, they're like, no, 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 that would utterly confuse players. You could never do that. Like, that, that would just be a bad mechanic. But it's already in the game, and they never really, I've never seen them address the fact that the exact same thing is in the game, and I think it's fine. Yeah, but it's different because reasons. 
Exactly, because spreadsheet, there's certainly a spreadsheet that says this is entirely different. Again, you know, they look at different data than we do, right? So we can't really ever judge how they see anything, right, at all. And that that's like the persistent problem, you know? I mean, and also the, like, even if you look at the, and I think you guys pointed this out earlier, that in the Q&A answers, some, some of the answers feel a little condescending. Like they feel like they're yeah. talking down to you. They're like, you know, um, that's, that's kind of a, you know, like that's kind of the experience I also got like when I was at Summit, right? In 2019. I mean, you, you had this opportunity where you brought all these CCs together to sit down and have an opportunity to chat or converse or ask questions, you know, that'd be such a nice thing, right? Like you, Hey, everybody sit down round table, you yeah. know, like sit down with the, the developers and we, we, we have a conversation. You guys raise some concerns. We address some concerns. You know, we, we have some, whatever. Nope. Uh, I remember we went to the office, think about like three days out of the five I was there. We, we went to the office a whole bunch of days. And most of the days we were in the office was presentations. It was like, mm -hmm. you know, hello, everybody is PowerPoint presentation about statistics. Yeah. You know, like you're like, <laughs> like this is, you know, what? And then they, they talk to you like you're like, they just present the idea. Like it's a presentation. Like, okay, this is a Naval training center. Yes. And this is how Naval training center works. And then they're just like giving you the, like, you know, the presentation. You're sitting there like, wait, wait, wait. Are, aren't we supposed to like give you anything? They're like, no. You're, you're supposed to listen to us talk first. And then, of course, like, you know, things explode afterwards, right? Then you would mm -hmm. think with how badly things exploded that if I was the guy doing the presentation, I turn straight back around, go to my boss and be like, I think this is really bad idea. Yeah, the, the, the CCs, they like lost their shit when we made the presentation. Yeah, they exploded at me. I'm not happy with this. I think we need to think about this. What does working we do? They release the exact same damn thing to the public. And then, of course, with the enough, like, the whole shitstorm that happened, they went, oh, yeah, this is this is really bad idea. Holy God, this can't work. And um, working this collective decision is, okay, guys, we're going to rework it. It'll be Research Bureau, and we won't do this crazy thing. And then the people who developed it, we're going to move them to World of Tanks so they can do Crew 2.0 and do the exact <laughs> same shit. God damn it. Wargaming and uh, some of the things they do just really like they, they just make you wonder. Like you just have like a million questions about like what is going on internally there, you know? Because things like that just just make you like lose a lot of faith in the company. Yeah, it's yeah. a long way to go for a bunch of press releases and then a PR fiasco. <laughs> Yeah, they're not particularly great at the PR thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like a like a Soviet era mindset that they bring on. You know, they continue into the present day. There's something about it, like former communist countries and public mm -hmm. relations that are just it doesn't work. You know, and it's funny because you see it in a lot of these former communist countries. They're really terrible as a nation when it comes to anything PR related, right? It's like the, the mindset for the people aren't really there. It seems like, you know, they don't know how to make the message sound 
good, better, acceptable, or at least how to put it in a way that like people aren't going to immediately riot on your thing, right? Um, you know, and, and that seems to be Wargaming's thing is that they just really aren't great at that department. Like they're just really not good, right? At that particular job, you know, and the regional offices seem to also have the same problem for some whatever reason. I don't know if it's just because like some things get lost in translation or whatever, but you know, the regional offices, which should be more sensitive to, let's say the, the, the North Americans or the Europeans or, or whatever, mm-hmm. y- you would expect that they would be more aware and they would be like, no, 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 St. Petersburg, this is not going to go well. Right. Like you would almost expect that. Except well, no, it's, you know, they, 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 they you I, I will know. say, we don't exactly know how much goes on behind the scenes. So it's entirely possible that there is, you know, feedback going back from the regional offices and it just kind of gets ignored. Oh, just yeah. like us, right? So imagine <laughs> if you're the employees and you also get ignored. Oh boy, right? I mean, uh, we got what, kind of some of that from, do you remember Femin, Femininimini? Yeah, Feminelli's. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of yeah. got that vibe from, from her recounting of her experience. Yeah, I, I, I've talked to her quite a bit. Um, I've actually talked to a lot of the uh, NA people over the years, and yeah, that seems to be the trend. That seems to be like a universal trend. It's like if the CCs don't feel like we're being listened to, you, you figure that maybe they listen to their own employees. It's like no, <laughs> and if they don't listen to their own employees, then like, oh boy, you know, like there's not a lot of um, yeah, uh, they're, they're just really bad at it. They're really bad at like picking out good ways of communicating stuff you know they have a mindset that's like this is the way we communicate yeah like you know sort of not gonna make you know not gonna really like you know joke about the fact that they're they're soviet or whatever that mindset but it's like almost like that's how the environment that they were raised up in like you know uh men on top give order (laughs) order must be carried out all the way down nobody ask any questions questions are not okay do not give feedback we don't want to hear it the man on top knows all he is the god you know like that's almost the way we were like you know the the whole thing goes it's like you know it's sort of this multi-tiered you know like kind of straight one-way traffic flow that goes all the way down right and then it's like, and then it's like, okay, who cares if there's a, like a PR shitstorm? We'll just like, you know, like the guy at the bottom, we'll just kick him out. Or like, we'll actually what they do is like, they'll just transfer him to another department, right? Like that's the way, right? Oh, this guy screwed up really badly. It's okay. We transfer him to World of Tanks. Yeah. And he can bring his ideas to World of Tanks. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll, we'll just do the same thing. It's like, let's repeat, right? We might even promote him because why not? Um, yeah. It's just, it's really, I don't know. It's, it's almost like a culture thing, you know, like it's almost like this is the culture within. Wargaming. Funny thing is, you actually look over at, at War Thunder, and it's funny because it's the exact same complaints. I like I, I've been talking to a couple of the War Thunder like community contributors. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. It's like so they're talking about Gaijin. It's like so the, you know, like you start listening to their problems about Gaijin. You're like, wait a minute, this sounds like Wargaming. You sure they are, are you sure they're not like the same company in secret? Like they're just you know, <laughs> but like it's the same thing. It's actually really amusing because. It's like, oh, they don't listen to feedback. They they, they want to hear nothing from what we say. And every time we, we point out a problem, they just go, oh, yeah, our data shows otherwise. It's like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. That sounds like, you know, the same company that we're dealing with here. It's yeah. kind of amazing. Um, Which is, you know, and I wonder if that's like a cultural thing or, or like if it's just sort of like that's how they were all. They all grew up in that environment. They, they That's how they see the world, right? So it's like. I mean, could be. It also reminds me a bit of the military. So, I mean, I only was in the military for a short time because my country has like this mandatory military service. But it's like my commanding officer once said, if I tell you the water flows upward, then the water flows upward. Basically, it's like, it's basically the one who has higher rank is right. 
that's just how it works, right? And you don't give feedback, you don't complain, you don't do anything. And if you get an order, no matter how silly, you just do it because the, the only answer you have is basically yes, sir, right? And yeah, uh, that that's sort of how it feels. I mean, I don't think Wargaming or that is probably unique in this. It's it's. I feel like in a lot of companies, it's just a lot of people, the higher they get promoted, the more they think they are right. And a lot of people, they might also be hesitant to like correct their boss because if, if like your boss makes a mistake and you correct your boss, uh, they don't necessarily do like, Oh, thank you for correcting me. They are like, uh, well, you know better than I do. So now you're on my shit list, right? So it's, it's in companies, you always have to be very careful, right? How you interact with your, and how the hierarchy works and so on. So I feel like in a lot of big companies, it probably ends up in a way where. It's just like Actually, the people who make decisions aren't really. Yeah, speaking of um, sort of a corporate things, I mean, wow, we're kind of getting a little off topic here, but might as well kind of talk about it. Um, if you actually look at it, um, it almost feels like with Wargaming, what has happened is that as time has gone by over the last couple of years, right, um, certain people have been promoted to roles, right? They, they keep getting moved up into mm -hmm. higher and higher roles. They've been promoted. But the thing is, it's like, there is actually this thing in business where it's like, uh, if you actually keep doing that, what you end up with is a company where all the people who got promoted into their roles aren't actually suited for it. Because what happens is people hit a, hit a, like a, a capability or ability cap, right? And then what you do is you, once you promote them one step out of that, they actually become sort of like fish out of water. They actually don't know mm -hmm. how to do that role correctly. And if you don't have enough sort of change over at, you know, different levels, you actually end up with a company where it's like almost everybody's incompetent. You actually can have that. And so this is actually one of the reasons why, um, I don't know how many of you guys know what, uh, DARPA is. DARPA is like, uh, a defense research oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thing mm -hmm. in, in the U.S. Um, DARPA actually, no matter who it is, if you work at DARPA, you have a set contract. You're only there for that many years. And once that mm -hmm. contract, and you're out of there. They don't allow for the same, you know, people to be in that place long term because at a certain point they're worried that they might promote these people all into places of sort of incompetence and, and, you know, roles that they can't handle. So they actually put you into hard contract or, you know, like you have X number of years in here. Once you're done, you're out of here. You can't be in here any longer. And it's like, you, you look at wargaming. It's like, I, I almost see this as like, they, they, they just keep promoting these people and all these people get promoted. And it's like at a certain point in time, they're all promoted to these roles and you're like, but you don't know what the hell you're doing, right? Like you're, you're, you're making so many errors. Like you shouldn't be here anymore, you know? And yet mm -hmm. that same person, Oh, hold on a second. We might just promote them one step further. You know, like we, it's almost mind boggling because you see it and you're like, how is this person still there? You know, like what are the results that they're developing, like, you know, de uh, like delivering that justifies them being in this position, right? Like how many PR fuck ups has Wargaming had? <laughs> Somewhere along the line, you've got to start to realize that it's like, wait a minute, there's something really wrong with a number of these things that we have. I mean, literally, Wargaming yeah. has one like every what? Like every quarter, one every quarter, four times a year. Like there's guarantee to be fuck ups. Like, you know, right? It's like, it's like, you know, you go to those hospitals, whatever they go, you know, it's been X number of days since we had the last fall. You know, Wargaming literally <laughs> can have a fine. It's, like, it's been X number of days since we had our last F up, you know, right? It's like once a certain number has to be hit, we got to have one, you know, <laughs> consult manual how to screw up something. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there was even a, like a name for the principle that you mentioned. And when, when you keep promoting people as long as they do a good job, that means 
as soon as they start doing a bad job, you stop promoting them. That means you end up at every slot with somebody who does a bad job because that's when you I promote them. I believe it's the Peter principle. I'll just look like, yeah, it is. Concept in management developed by Lawrence J. Peter. Yeah, there we go. Yep, there we go. That's the one. So, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a fairly well-established theory. Well, makes uh, you ask some, yeah, makes you ask some big questions about Wargaming, you know, in that regard. That's all we can do with CCs, really, is keep poking them and try and keep them honest. Do you know what that feels like? Do you know what that actually feels like? It feels like all of us CCs, we all have a, a very um, sort of uh, pointy stick, and we keep poking the bear, and we, 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 we poke it and hope it doesn't bite our heads off. That's what we're... <laughs> Yeah, that's what it feels like. Every day you just poke the bear a little bit and try to like, you know, try to try to get the bear's attention and hope you don't get axed, you know? I mean we had a certain potato who did it a little bit too much and then you know Wargaming is like, oh, we had enough of your shit. <laughs> get out. You poked you know, too so, hot. Yeah, I poked a little too hard, but it poked the bear in the eye a little bit, you know. That 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 bear was not a happy bear when he woke up that day. Ah. So uh, the next thing in the Q&A was uh, you're not a popularist bound to be not blah blah popular ships are. Basically it asks about things like you young and Kabaros and uh, they are extremely unpopular for like a long period of time and why aren't they fixed? Because I guess we all know popularity is also going into English and so on. And the thing is they say something like uh, the situation for the Yuyang is more complicated. It's quite unpopular among other researchers, choice, but it's partly the fact that its performance is now approaching the lower boundaries. So they acknowledge that it's bad. They acknowledge that it's unpopular. And they say in the near future, we'll continue monitoring. So they just say, yeah, we'll keep a look. And like, how long has this ship been bad? I mean, how long do you need to monitor its stats? They even acknowledge that it's it's not in their popularity metric like it, it's shit in all ways you look at it and the answer sometimes, is yeah maybe we'll look at it for two more years or so yeah sometimes these things do take they seem to take an inordinate amount of time to get like we kind of can't even what, what, remember what the context was earlier but we were talking about what was it to do with carriers potentially but oh yeah sometimes the, the obvious for that the, was it yeah rocket the rocket planes and the machine guns the, the rocket plane delay Sometimes these things seem to take a really, really, really long time to actually make it anywhere. Even the the entirely necessary fixes. I mean, I guess it. it's how I just said earlier, right? The old ships just don't make that much more profit because so they they are not high on the priority list. They're like, yeah, or like how many, how much money is that going to make us? Maybe we'll wait two more years and we will do something eventually. Yeah, they're not particularly fast. I mean, you look at like CVs, that <laughs> that was two years. I mean, imagine a, a, like any other game taking two plus years to even get some of the very rudimentary balance fixes in. Like, that would be unacceptable. You know, that would literally be un unacceptable. You know, the, the, if something is that wrong or things are just that broken, mm -hmm. I mean, they will address it, like, you know, like faster. Wargaming, for whatever reason, just seems to be taking a long time just for even very 
like simple things that you know it's like oh this is not good this is probably a little bit too, you know and it's like no no they're, they're they just seem to take forever on certain things you know and it's, and it's very frustrating too because you might be like oh wait hold on this is really really a problem you know you guys really got to address this mm-hmm. and holy god you know like it'll just take forever you know um I don't know. It's just, it's one of those really bizarre things. I feel like they almost need faster cycles for balance, you know, cause right now balance comes way too slowly. It's like once mm-hmm. every big patch or something like that, you know, and it's like a month minimum for at least some small balancing things. It's like, but a lot of times, you know, it takes a lot longer. It's like, Oh, we need to collect more data half a year worth of data, data later. All right. We're going to spend another half a year talking about it. And then, you know, we spend half a year like thinking about how to fix it and then we'll have a balance patch out. It's like, Six. <laughs> oh, like Dead Eye, where they literally just copy pasted a different skill, and it took them what, like two months, three months to do that. Yeah, and Dead Eye was not a good change either, right? And it's like funny thing, hey, all the CC feedback about Dead Eye. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it often feels like. Uh, they they just aren't really like playing the game or at least uh, very little because that's something like if you play the game a lot right and there is something that annoys you a month is a very long time like if you play a game and there is something broken for a month you don't go like well this is fine it's going to be fixed next month you're like why do i have to deal with this every day like for example uh, torpedoes that don't go straight because you are making a turn. And for like wargaming, it doesn't seem to be a problem. They're like, what do you want? Well, if we, I mean, they never actually acknowledge that problem, I think. I've heard it's fixed in the next patch, but only rumors. I don't know if that's the case, but it's like wargaming is oftentimes when there's a problem, they're like, yeah, we will come to it eventually, like as if it's not a big deal, as if like people aren't continuously playing this game and have to deal with this. They're like, what do you want? We're going to fix it in in a month or two or three, right? It's it's a big yeah, mind. I mean, we, we have already moved to more often getting kind of smaller balance changes, which is overall, I think, a, a good thing rather than great big bludgeoning balance changes. But we, we could definitely stand to have things nudged more often. I mean, we had one not that long ago where they announced a, a bunch of... I know we talked about it in a previous last couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Uh, but it, it doesn't... It, it still doesn't feel like it happens that often, so... What was it? Yeah, the 10.6 balance changes. Oh. And no, there weren't that many ships on that, that list. It was... some, And some of them are actually quite new ships as well, like the, the, the German destroyers. Some of the nerfs were, I think we remembered scratching our head about it at the time, like Leander getting a reload nerf, for example. Or Jervis getting uh, less stealthy, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it feels like this should have been along the list, and that we, or, or else that we should see these lists happen. Even every patch, like even if they're just making a couple of balance changes to ships that might need some work every patch it would still it would if nothing else it would look better than mm-hmm. it does now it would look like they're paying more attention to balancing issues yeah that they are actually working on it to to try to keep the game balanced right it would also be like it wouldn't be such a big deal if you make constant changes to your game and constantly like update older ships then you're never in a situation where like half of your ships might need a rework 
as it sometimes feels it's these days, just because Wargaming ignored it for so long that it just keeps mounting up and mounting up and Wargaming is looking at that amount of work that they should be doing and they'd be like, what if we just, like, make a new ship? <laughs> yeah, like, sizable, yeah. It ha- it'll be, like, one of those, like, um... You know, I think for like right now, the pile of stuff they need to fix is so big and so large that, yeah, it might have just become too much, right? Like, and that's sort of where the issue is, right? Where had they done it sort of more frequently mm-hmm. at a more consistent pace since the beginning, you know, they might be able to fix things better, right? I mean, you know, like they just left some ships way too long. Like Yu Yang has been in sort of like a garbage state since like that change they made eons ago, right? And it's just, and then like nothing, like nothing's been changed afterwards. It's like, oh, okay, like this is the change you made, and that's it. Like the, never rebalance or adjust anything, even though there's been how many new ship lines that's been added, and Yu Yang now has to deal with how many new different threats. No, nothing, just zero. Yeah. You know, um, and I feel like right now they have so much, there's so much things that they need to do that it's like, they don't even know where to start anymore. You know, like, how do you fix this or that anymore? When like 10 other things that interact with it, where it used to be only like two or three, right? So now it's like their, their, their problems have, I guess, multiplied and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just not frequent enough. I mean, the idea of not going for sledgehammer changes is really good. The fact that they're using sort of little scalpel changes, small adjustments here, small adjustments there, like that's really good. But if you're going to make small changes like that, the frequency of those changes need to increase. You need to be able to do more because you're you're not making huge changes, right? If I shave off like 0.2 seconds off of, of the reload, that's not like game breaking for the ship. That's not going like, to suddenly like mess it up and make it unplayable. Because you're not going with Sledgehammer. Okay, so then just like make the change faster. Do like a minor balance tweak like every, you know, two weeks or whatever, mm-hmm. or like, you know, like half cycle patches, you know, just like, you know, a lot of games do these like, um, weekly, uh, maintenance periods or whatever, you know, 15 minutes mm-hmm. of a hot fix or whatever. Like fix one ship, fix two ships, whatever. Do it like at a fast enough pace. And if the change didn't work and your data immediately reflects that, oh yeah, look, the dam- damage is done X, Y, or Z, you can, okay, say, all right, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll change it back or whatever. You know, like you can make these changes. But right now they're making tiny changes, but taking like months to do them. And that's an issue because you can't just make teeny tiny change and wait like six months to see what the result is. You know, like that's where I, I find they're balancing not to work as well. You know, it's, it's the, the method is good. I approve of the smaller changes, but the frequency is bad. Yeah. I mean, just scrolling back through the, the 10.5 of balance changes was literally three ships and two of those were premiums. So yeah, we, we kind of need more really. Yeah, and then there were a few in 10.6, and I don't think that there are any in 10.7, are there? None that have been announced. Like, you could uh, really just have each, even if it's just the monthly patch, right? Just, it just, if you only do small changes, nothing should be too problematic, and you could just roll back a smaller change in the patch. But just have, like, every major patch do, like, 10, 15 older ships and do small changes to them, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there weren't any at all for 10.4, 10.3. Again, not that many, although more than three. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely an issue. 
So what was the next? Where were you up to? Uh, the, the next, well, it was actually the last question. It's about the Dutch cruisers' balance and why they are balanced around airstrikes so much. This is honestly something where I at least partially agree with Wargaming. What Wargaming decided to do was not make the airstrike a gimmick in that sense, but balance it around that and make it a core feature and be like, if you don't get your airstrikes off, then you'll have a bad time because the ship is balanced around the fact that you're supposed to get damage out of them. The problem mostly I have with the Dutch cruisers is, I mean, I personally, I don't mind playing them. Actually, I have some fun with them. It's the, the fact that they made the mechanic that balance, balanced around up airstrikes and once again, anti-air, you can shoot them down, but you won't shoot them down because obviously can, anti-air can't be powerful enough to shoot down airstrikes, so it would mess too much with the feature. It's like that walking seems so uh, tone deaf, right? They, they have introduced first the hybrids, then the Dutch with airstrikes, and now comes the, the Russian line with it. They, they've crammed so many planes into this game in such a short amount of time. And people have been, for two years, they've been so tired of planes, there is so much anti-plane sentiment, and just the fact that it's planes again is just making a feature that could otherwise be interesting, just, it gives it like this... Yeah, I don't too know. much at once, basically. Yeah, but it, it just like makes the feature in itself more frustrating than it should be simply because you know it's planes and you're so fed up with planes. And Wargaming is, it, it reminds me a bit of that, why don't you have phones from Blizzard, right? Wargaming is like, but everybody loves planes. What's wrong with planes, right? They don't get it. <laughs> they just don't get the fact that we are so sick and tired of more planes in this game because planes have been like such a bad mechanic for so long. And so if Wargaming even has an idea that would work on its own, they just slap it on planes and people are like, no! And again, not considering the effect on, you know, the psychological experience of, yeah. of playing, which does seem to be a definite weakness. I mean, they, they explicitly admitted as much back when there was discussions about Deadeye that they hadn't really thought about how it might affect people's play styles. They've really only thought about it in terms of, well, it's going to, you know, increase X damage ratio by Y amount kind of thing. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. in the actual game, all the, you know, well, not all the battleship players, but a noticeable increase in battleship players all sailing around being incredibly passive and just, you know, being encouraged to play badly. It's one of those frustrating things because people have told them this, and they have told them, like, guys, you can't just introduce a mechanic that way make battleship players even more passive. Wargaming is like, but there are people who like to sit at the map border, and we need to give them something. And they're like, no, you really don't. <laughs> uh, uh, remember spreadsheet. <laughs> I just remember the spreadsheet. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that I seems to be the thing. That's just spreadsheet, you know. It, uh, well, it's 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 basically a meme at this point. Can't but, win. You know, these things usually have some root in reality. So, yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. So it's, it's a frustrating experience as, as as being a CC and just watching the things that have happened. Um, I think these days a lot of what I do with World of Warships is is just. You know, I'm like, I just now mostly just go, okay, well, can I, can I do something and I can have fun? And that's it. <laughs> that's, that's where I am at now with World of Warships. Um, 
I think honestly, if, if a, a legitimately good competitor came out for world warships, like I would probably take off. Um, because I just don't like the, the core gameplay loop. Okay. You know, there's still some fun to be had there, right? Uh, there's still mm-hmm. some silliness to be done. There's still things that are positive to a certain degree, but it's so difficult to support the company. You know, like, like the, the mm-hmm. game, if I play with friends and we division up, like, okay, I can have some fun and, and I can enjoy that. That's fun. You know, like I've been playing a bunch of brawls lately. That was hilarious. Uh, you know, tons of fun to be had in brawls. Um, but outside of that, I, yeah, I just, no, I, I don't find that level of enjoyment. I don't find that level of, uh, just, you know, the, the sort of like the, the, the confidence in the company that they will in the long mm-hmm. run make good choices and they will not be such greedy, you know, people, right? It's like, it's like, I can't, I don't have faith in that anymore, right? Like in, you know, it's like five years ago, four years ago, whatever, three years ago, even you can at least say, okay, feel like there's a partnership going on, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you guys have been around, you, you know what I'm talking about. This is partnership. We feel like we have this partnership with World Gaming, right? We help them. They help us. We guide them. They sort of help us with, you know, the, their reasoning and rationale, <sighs> you know, like today it's like, God, I feel like I'm just part of this big free advertising machine. Yeah, my whole role is to shill for, you know, their boxes, you know, <laughs> like every single patch or something. You know, like that almost seems like what they want from us, you know what I mean? And it's just like Oh my lord, you know, it's like like there there's capitalism and then there's wargaming's version of capitalism, you know? It's like crank it up to to 50, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> as as Jingles pointed out the, 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 you know, this, this, compared to other free-to-play developers, especially in the mobile market, they're not even that bad. <laughs> they're far from from being the worst. Sad but true. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's our ringing endorsement of Wargaming. Wargaming, far from being the worst. I mean, they're not yet at, like, a tr- electronic arts level or something like that. Well, I mean, they, they haven't hit the level of like the the was well uh, the Genshin Impact developers, so you know they're they're not there oh, yet. Yeah. Or the the greediness of oh god the the sports franchise games where they put out the, oh, the same game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that's Electronic Arts, right? They they basically make now sports yeah. designed casinos, right? I think them, 2K, who are the other major developers that do them? I don't know, but they they're all basically uh, they've figured out they can get away with just putting out the same game, essentially, with roster changes, sometimes literally, you know, with the same bugs that last year's had kind of thing. So the the height of laziness, and these are supposed to be big AAA developers. So, yeah. Yeah, we really, like, we need, we, I, I think the, like, I guess the final thought for the day for me is, I think Wargaming needs a legitimate competitor that is not Gaijin. You know, somebody yeah. who is willing to produce a product that is, you know, on a gameplay loop points, as good, if not better than World of Warships with like none of the scummy crap that Wargaming does. Oh God, I can't say that, right? They're going to come over and tap me on the shoulder and be like, <laughs> ah, 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 you don't get to say that now. <clears throat> We've got to issue you, you another warning. Your heart. Yes, yes, yes. KGB <laughs> monitor you now. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that like, 
with with wargaming, it's mm, they they need competition. They need somebody to go in yeah. there and and make them have to work for the player base, because right now they own the naval side, like in World of Warships. They just own it. There's no other product out there that is remotely close in terms of gameplay loop enjoyment. There's nothing at that level, not even one little thing, you know. And 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 as long as they own that. No, no, they, 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 they got Monopoly and Monopolies can treat their player base like whatever, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, Wargaming is probably going, we have data. We know you all come back at the end. Yeah, comrade. <laughs> you know, like that's the thing, right? Like, you know, you, you know how it is. Like some games, it's like, um, there's that little itch you got to scratch, right? And Wargaming yeah. knows this. They know you come back. Yes, yes, yes. It's kind of like your relationship with a bad, uh, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, a bad girlfriend was it, like they say, you know, like, uh, it's like, ah, I shouldn't go back to her, but man, something was kind of good back then. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of go crawling back, right? And you just give it another try, and then you are reminded of all the horrible things, and then you leave, and then you go, but then again, <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like awfully abusive type relationship that you have with working. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they need competition. They really do, because at the, at the current rate, as long as they don't have competition, I think this game will probably last easily like another 10 years, I think, as long as they, you know, yeah. they do an engine swap or whatever, you know, upgrade the graphics or, uh, you know, whatever. I think as long as they don't have competition, they can probably keep going. But if there is legitimately good conversation, like, like competition, sorry, um, Wargaming, I think, will be in a lot more trouble unless they, you know, they get their, their stuff sorted out. and. Let's just hope that, and then this is my hope, is that other developers are keeping an eye out on this section of the gaming industry and going, that's a very interesting, you know, audience you have there who seem to be happy to whale lots of money. You know, maybe we can come in, do it better than you, and just yoink a bunch of your player base over. You know, that could be a thing. Who knows? Wait for it. I, I mean, I, I agree there. Basically, I play World of Warships because I still have fun and there is no real competition, right? There is no other game that gives me, like, the same thing that World of Warships does. And even with all its faults, even with all the things I dislike, I still have fun playing it and I'll come back playing it as long as it, like, scratches that itch. Yep. See, that's the problem. That's the problem for all of us, right? There's just no competition. So at the end, the end, you have that itch, and you're like, "All right, kind of want to go play this again." You know, like it, it's there. It's like it's like you know, like think about like um other games you have that relationship with. It's like Diablo three. That's 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 mine. Like every year or two, it's like suddenly, oh oh wait, hold on. I gotta go scratch that itch now, right? Like one of my friends he is the same way. He, he describes it as having like the pawn far, you know, if anybody uses this tricky here. <laughs> so he describes it as the pawn far and he's gotta, he's gotta deal with it, you know? So. <laughs> That's one hell of a way of putting it. Well, I mean, yeah. That's, I think that's, that's entirely on point. There's, there's no way that they could otherwise get away with charging triple A or more game prices for individual premium ships. Otherwise. So, 
you know, they've, they've, they've figured out something that, that keeps people coming back over and over and opening their wallets enough to make it viable. And yeah, don't forget those, uh, that, that, that tr- quote unquote triple A cost now is not just triple A cost. It's like the, the platinum version collector's edition cost. <laughs> now, you know, we're, we're getting there now. We're not, we're not at the normal thing. It's like single premium is there at that price point now, you know, you want to open 72 boxes for Johan de Witt. You've literally just bought like platinum collector's edition of whatever triple A title you want, you know. And and maybe another uh, gold edition for a friend, you know, because why not? Oh, you you fancy your uh, tier ten premium? Like how about like a hundred fifty bucks or so? Mm. Yeah, that's the eye water. The, the price for the Napoli was definitely eye watering. Not unexpected, but definitely eye watering. And then it's going to be more, you know, considering how many people bought Napoli. Like, well, I, I expect to see more and more and more of that type of monetization. You know, come pay us, you know, with with so much money, you know, for one ship that you might only play 30 games with or whatever. You know, I, I have this feeling that that's where we're going now. And because you look at it, I think the average for most people is like, what? Like, unless you have, like, the favorite ship that is, like, you know, you're basically ready to, you know, um, as the the people who play Azulane and, and Kante Collection, you know, you're willing to ring and marry and, and, you know, play with that ship every single day. And you might get, you know, like, a couple hundred battles in, in that particular ship, right? I mean, but that's it. That's your enjoyment. A couple hundred battles for something you're paying, you know, the equivalent of a... Mm, you know, a very high-end collector's edition of a AAA title, right? That's what you're getting out of it, where that other AAA title might net you way more playtime, right? Way more playtime. Yeah. And, you know, if it's thousands of hours, it might even be something that comes with something physical. Yeah, like books or figurines or other cool things or, you know. And, and, And that's what they're charging for purely digital goods. Oh, man. That's that's that that that's where it's going, you know. I mean, the, the the danger of having the first sort of tier ten go out on sale is that we're going to see more and more of them, right? And the more we see it, the more, yeah, yeah, got to milk the player base for every single penny, right? And this is what I said: competition will probably set that straight. You know, like if if a competitor came in with a better product and Wargaming watched its population just decline and drop off then you might see them actually go, oh, hold on a second, we can't do this anymore, right? But that requires somebody else to actually figure out how to do that, like how to how to build a product that will have the same. Especially for this kind of online thing, it's a lot of potential time and investment. So, yeah, it's funny someone that's willing to, to do that that thinks they have a good enough idea that will actually lure enough people away, maybe even bring in enough new people. To make it viable. Anyway. Yeah. Who knows what the future will be. Exactly. And I think we've uh, through all of our topics for now, right? I yeah, we've been going for a, a good a good chunk of time, so this is probably a good time to wrap it up. So whereabouts can we find you on the interwebs, I chase, apart from uh, your YouTube? 
YouTube and Twitch mostly, but more YouTube and slightly less Twitch. I mean, okay. I'm kind of in that uh, period of time right now where I'm not as active online as I used to be. Um, you know, school obviously doing whatever school's got to do. Um, but hey, I'm still around, still posting stuff every so often. And, uh, you know, not always world warships, thank goodness. You know, some, uh, <laughs> naval architecture stuff, uh, along the way. So talk more about marine industry and things like that. And, uh, you know, try to make other content, not just purely like, oh, this game, which I enjoy playing, but the company makes me want to, want to, <clears throat> you know, uh, punch my screen and throw it out the window kind of feeling. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much where you find me. I'm also on obviously the usual social media, Twitter, uh, Facebook, although more active on Twitter than I am on most other platforms. Not much of an Instagram or TikToker or anything like that. I mean, I, I'm getting old guys. I, I can't do the, I can't do the tween TikTok thing anymore. Okay. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, we, we don't get to see your cool new dances. Yeah. yeah. All of, uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that's uh, that's mostly uh that's mostly where you can find me. Um I'm around. I'm also on Discord. Uh in fact, if you want to ever reach out, Discord is the easiest way. Uh just just yeah, poke me on Discord. Got questions or whatever you got, just poke me there. Anyways, uh that I guess yeah. uh yeah. Thanks uh, for Thanks. having me on, guys. It was fun. Thanks for joining Good us. Good to chat about boats and you know, our collective love-hate relationship with this uh, game that we all play. <laughs> Oh yes, we are, we are like one of those self-help groups now, right? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thanks everyone for watching and bye. bye. Take care everybody, we'll catch you all next time.